All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation, and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. This episode is part of a series where I interview experts on various areas around mental health. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help now, call 000 Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36 anytime for support and advice. As we continue our mental health series, we are discussing many scenarios as to what we can do to work on our mental health. And today we are talking about self-care. I've invited Emma Gray, clinical psychologist, coach, author, and meditation teacher onto the show today to talk about this topic because she isn't only qualified, but she has the experience for us to discuss this topic of self-care, which to many people seems so simple and straightforward. But in my opinion, not many people actually do. So Emma, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Michael. It's exciting to be here. Am I right in saying that not many people, I mean, to, to many, to most, it seems such a simple, it seems like a simple strategy, but not many people actually do it enough. Yes, it does seem simple. Um, and there are lots of reasons actually why we don't practice self-care. Um, and when I talk about self-care, just to, to preface this, what I'm talking about, I suppose, is all levels of self-care. So mental, emotional, physical self-care. And for those that may feel relevant, spiritual self-care that we, we don't necessarily look after these different levels of our being for a whole range of different reasons. And partly because we're living in this um, post-industrialized modern world where we are conditioned to work really hard a lot of the time. Um, and there isn't often space in our day to go and take a walk or to switch off and read a book. You know, if we were sitting um, at our desk and our boss walked past and we had our feet up reading a book... <laughs> That might not go down too well. No. So with all of the pressures that we might have at work or at home, you know, people caring for children or, or, or relatives or whoever it might be, there may not be the time and space for us to do that or maybe we haven't given ourselves permission to do it because of all of those pressures. So, yeah, lots of reasons why we don't do something, which um, on the surface seems like it might be quite a simple thing to do. So it sounds like it's... It's something that we are supposed to be doing as humans, um, just like a dog is supposed to go for walks and a bird is supposed to fly. Um, it sounds like, or not supposed, like it's it's in their nature to, to want yes. to fly, want to do. Th- it sounds like as humans, it's in our nature to to, to do these things, to, to look after ourselves, but it's in a way it's being neglected. That's right. Yes, there's actually um, this thing called ultradian rhythms, which is like circadian rhythms, which is our 
circadian rhythms is our wake sleep cycle that we're designed to have a period of sleep and a period of waking. With ultradian rhythms throughout our day, this is our rest activity cycle. And we're hardwired as animal beings, as human beings, to have periods of rest and activity, rest and activity, rest and activity throughout the day. So ideally, what our bodies are hardwired for is about 90 minutes of activity and then about 20 minutes of rest, 90, 20, 90, 20, on and off throughout the day. So when you look at nature documentaries, for example, um, the lions aren't out chasing the antelopes all day long. They're spending a lot of their time snoozing in the sun. And for anyone at home who has pets, they might observe that actually they spend a lot of their time chilling and snoozing. But we don't do this in our world. We may have done it back as tribal beings, but it, you know, as I was saying before, we've been conditioned in our society now to work really hard and not take those breaks in our day. If we said to our boss, I'm going to take 20 minutes break every 90 minutes, they'd probably flip out. <laughs> so yeah, but to answer your question, we are hardwired to take these breaks to practice this self-care. And what do you mean when you say self-care? Like it's it's self-care, it is a word that is thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. And I say thrown around as and we hear it in so many different places. And, mm. and and I'm sure that there's no direct definition of what self-care actually is, but mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. or no single way to do it. But mm-hmm. when you when you say self-care, what's your what's your um interpretation of it and what's so what's I guess your, part way of, of explaining it? Is- Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, Michael. Um, So part of it is taking the time to pause and check in with our mind and with our body. How am I feeling in this moment and what is it that I need now? So I invite my clients to ask themselves these questions. How am I feeling? Because maybe they've been sitting and concentrating for a really long time and they're starting to get mental fatigue and so they need to take a break. Or maybe they've been up and active and doing something for a long time and their body is starting to get physically tired and so they need to take a break. So part of self-care, the definition of self-care might be tuning in, checking in mentally, physically, what is going on in our mind and our body and what is it that our body might need. So if we've been concentrating for a long time, that self-care might be to take a mental rest. It might be um, to get up away from the computer and go out and get some fresh air and stop thinking so hard for a little while. If, uh, Or maybe we need to get up and stretch or maybe we need to get a drink or something to eat. If we've been pushing ourselves physically, maybe the body wants to sit down or or lie down or take a rest. It doesn't have to mean sleep, um, but just to take some time out from that physical activity. So it's replenishing practices, if you like, things that are going to replenish us mentally or physically or emotionally. And it could be anything. For some people, it is to go for a walk or to spend some time in nature or to play with their pet or to have something to eat or drink. For other people, it might be mindfulness and meditation practices or to do some exercise. There are lots and lots of different ways that we can practice self-care, but it is about looking after all of those different levels of our, our physical, mental um, being. Yes, as, as you're explaining it, to, to me, the the big word that sort of sticks out in my mind is the word balance because mm. it's, it's, you know, someone that's sitting down all day and just have a balance. So the idea is to stand up and 
do something else. And um, mm. someone that's always stuck in an office needs to balance that and go out into the environment. And mm. I love that you mentioned the word replenishing because it's, mm. yeah, it's, it's sort of like if you're driving a car, a car's got signals on it. And if the oil needs to be topped up, there's a light that flashes. Mm. And to ourselves, we don't obviously have a dashboard in front of us. Mm. And when we are in that mode of just work, 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 or just let's get this done or let's do this or that, mm. we probably don't realize or we don't see that mental flashlight on that dashboard that's turning on saying, you know, you need rest or you need a break or you need exercise mm. or you need to get out of the room and stop staring at the screen. And, and when we talk about why it's so important as well, like, I mean, you've mentioned so many of the topics already, but it's... What, uh, as far as the importance of self-care is concerned, because I mean, all these things you've explained obviously would make someone feel great, but I'm sure there are much more benefits, especially in the long term. Yes, absolutely. The research um, in this area shows that actually, paradoxically, the more we take breaks, whether it's a mental break or a physical break, the research shows that the more we do that, when we return to our activities, whether it's mental or physical activity, we are more productive, we are more effective, we're more efficient, we're better at problem solving, we can think more clearly, our performance is better. Whereas if we continue to push ourselves, we get more and more depleted. We can't think as clearly. We can't problem solve. We don't have access to that higher order thinking because our body and mind are just saying, take a break, chill out. (laughs) And when we do that, actually it makes us more effective. Um, So, yeah, sometimes people don't practice the self-care because they think, well, I haven't got time to do that. I still have to push on and do all of these things. But the research shows us the opposite, that if we take time, if we can find ways to find even small spaces in our day, that when we do return to that activity, the quality of that activity will be much better than if we hadn't taken that break. So so, so in a way you're you're also saying that if – Somebody saying they're too busy to exercise or too busy mm-hmm. to, you know, to you know, go out and smell the flowers and mm-hmm. soak in the the sun. Mm. That person, if they made the time, then when they do come back to that thing that they're busy with, mm-hmm. they're most likely going to be a lot more productive and they're going to enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, that's exactly right. So an example, uh, this happened to me last week, actually. I was sitting at my computer and I was trying to write something for my website and it wasn't flowing and I was getting stuck and I'd spent hours sitting there trying to figure it out. And I thought, right, I'm just going to take a break. And I had a, I had a meditation class to run. And so I was doing that. And so I dropped into that beautiful place of peace and stillness. Um, that that happens for me when I meditate or teach meditation. And then I went for a walk. So I'd taken the mental and the physical break that I needed to. And on my walk, my mind just started to download all of these ideas that were exactly what I needed for my website. And so I came home, wrote it all down, five minutes, it was done. And it was much better than the rubbish that I was trying to put together. So I was pushing, 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 pushing. So if I'd just taken a break much earlier, I would have saved myself a lot of time and energy um, and certainly created a, a better final product than what I was trying to do as I was forcing it. Yes. And I'm sure the experience was more enjoyable as well. And it's more enjoyable. Yes. So ironically, by taking breaks, we save ourselves time 
in the long run than if we had tried to to keep pushing through. And absolutely, I think that that's an important point that you make, Michael. The experience of our lives can be much more enjoyable if they come from this place of creativity um, and lightness rather than pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves, pushing ourselves through the drudgery and into depletion and potentially burnout. And, And when it comes to relationships, so, you know, this podcast is um, sharing more than the sheets is all about relationships. And if, if we can just relate this topic to relationships for a moment, because I feel, um, and we've talked about this so many times already in this series, but, you know, mental health has a significant impact on ourselves, but obviously those around us. So when it comes to self-care as well, uh, and, and relationships, what relationship, what correlation or what, um, you know, cause and effect do you see there as well? Yeah, there is a lot of research in this area too, Michael, that shows that, for example, mindfulness and meditation practices um, have a positive impact on our relationships. And it's the same with any form of self-care, which makes sense when you think about it. If if we are taking the time to practice self-care for ourselves, our stress levels are lower, we feel happier in ourselves, we have more vitality, more, more energy, we have more for ourselves, but we also show up as a different version of ourselves, um, as a less stressed, less grumpy, less irritable, happier, more energized version of ourselves. We have more patience for the other person, we have more space for the other person than if we just show up as that frazzled person. So for sure, these practices can have a powerful impact on our relationship. And I know that from personal experience because I went through my own version of burnout where I wasn't practicing self-care and I wasn't able to be fully present with my children and my family in the way that I wanted to be. And that ended in mess and divorce. (laughs) Um, And since then, I've learned these self-care practices and I make sure that I practice them every day. And I am much, much happier. I'm much more energized. I I am a much more pleasant human being to be around. And as a result of that, the quality of my relationships has changed. Um, And I think if you speak to anyone, would they rather be around a grumpy, stressed out person or a calm, happy person? Um, It's obviously a no-brainer. So self-care is great for us, but also is a beautiful gift for the people around us. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. And, and I'm sure you'd agree in saying as well that it's it's equally important on both sides. So not equally important, but if only one person is practicing self-care and the other person's neglecting themselves, then that can also cause issues, especially when, you know, because you've got suddenly you've got one person that's in a great zone um, mentally and they're positive and they're feeling great. And then you have the other person who is the complete opposite where, you know, you've in both, and that can cause an issue on both sides because you've got the person that's feeling great. That's going to sort of feel like they're being pulled down by the other emotionally. And then you've got the other person who isn't looking after themselves, sort of looking at their partner and maybe feeling a bit jealous or a bit left out of this, the, the whole, the happiness, I guess, I don't know if I'm explaining it properly, but I could just see it causing some serious issues as well. If one person is really practicing something like this and the other person's completely neglecting it. Do you have much to say on that as well or am I sort of just... Yeah, well, I think you've pretty much answered your own question there. (laughs) 
Um, but you're exactly right. There is a there is a concept in psychology called emotional contagion. And if one partner is depressed or stressed or anxious or overwhelmed or whatever, that those emotions, that state of being can impact and and flow into the energy of the other person. So for sure, um, if one person is happy and the other one is not, uh, the person who has who has put the hard work in to do the self-care practices might not, you know, be thrilled about where their partner is and the impact of their partner's emotions on them. But also vice versa, exactly as you said, um, you know, there's that expression, misery loves company. And if we're not in a good space, it can be really annoying to be around happy people. <laughs> um, so it works both ways that it can be uncomfortable for both parties if there is a mismatch in general levels of mental, emotional, physical well-being. And and also as far as engaging in these practices, there's you know I mean you've told me even yourself you were in a position at one stage where you you didn't practice it enough, um, and um, I've been in that position before. And I'm an advisor; it's my job to help people and tell people what they should do. And if so, that you know this just shows as well that it doesn't matter how educated you are or how or what type of a position you are in in a company or in a family situation or it doesn't matter how many friends you have around you either it just it sounds like we can all be in that position where we can you know not neglect this whole self-care thing um so and why do you think that happens like i mean because i mean it can't be time because some people you know probably sit at home all day doing nothing and don't look after themselves and then and and it can't be you know, not having people around you because I know plenty of people which have admitted to me they don't look after themselves enough yet they seem very social to me. So why do you think that, you know, we find it difficult to engage in these practices? Mm, it's a really good question and it's something that I see a lot in the people around me um, that they might say that they don't have time and I totally understand that because I'm a busy working mum and so I understand the juggle of time. Um, but actually, it's deeper than that. It, it, it goes back to the conditioning that I was talking about before. It, it can be the expectations of the people around us, whether that's at f- our families or at work or wherever it might be. Our general society, there is this pressure and expectation that we are busy and hardworking, and there is actually that's actually rewarded. You know, when you say to someone, "How are you?" and they say, "I'm busy," it's like, "Oh, gee, you know, that's a that's a great thing. You're busy. You're productive. You're doing stuff in your life." Whereas if you answered, "Oh, yeah, I'm chilling. Not too much on." that might be viewed with some judgment or criticism. So those external pressures, those external um, expectations can then become internalised where we might feel guilty or anxious if we are taking time out to do something for ourselves, especially if there's a really long to-do list. We might spend that self-care time thinking about all the things that actually we should, in inverted commas, be doing instead and that there might be 
internal or external judgments of I'm lazy or I'm self-indulgent or I'm not trying hard enough or there's all these other things that I should be doing and that to do something for ourselves might be viewed as selfish or self-indulgent. And so we don't do those things. We put those things to the bottom of the to-do list. And of course, we're never going to get through the to-do list. It's part of life. There's always going to be something to do. And so we don't get to the bottom of the to-do list. We don't get to the self-care stuff. So there's those social and psychological barriers that can get in the way of practicing self-care. One of my favorite quotes I've ever heard is that no one is too busy. It's a matter of priorities. Mm -hmm. And I think that relates to so many things, but especially this, that, you know, it's if you prioritize yourself and then you'll make time. And the only way to prioritize yourself is to understand and realize how important it is. And I'm hoping even someone listening to this is going to realize and think, yeah, you know what? I think, I think Emma's right. Like, I think, you know, uh, not I think I know Emma's right. And I need to focus on this. And, you know, and if they are listening to this and they want to um, get started and they want to do something, I mean, even couples, like, as I said earlier, there's nothing worse than one couple practicing this and one not, you know, and doing the complete opposite. So especially in that situation, but for anyone listening to this, that's thinking, okay, what can I start doing? Um, I don't really have many trees around me, for example, or I don't, whatever, whatever the excuse is. Um, what are some tips that you can give um, or some, some quick wins for someone just to start implementing these things? Yeah, uh, it's a good question, Michael. We can start with a minute a day. We could start with 60 seconds of deep breathing, for example, um, after the shower, sit on the end of the bed and take a handful of deep breaths. Breathing practices turn off our stress system, our fight-flight system, and they turn on our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our relaxation system. So in the millisecond that we take a conscious breath, we're starting to switch off that stress system and turn on our replenishing system, if you like. So if all you have is 60 seconds in your day, that can be a really quick and simple way to get started. If you have more time, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes is ideal for a meditation or mindfulness practice, for example. So you could start with something like that at the beginning of the day, or maybe at bedtime, maybe you collapse into bed, but maybe you can take five or 10 minutes at bedtime to do a practice like that for yourself. Or maybe it's two minutes to get up and stretch and go out and stand in the sunshine and just breathe in some fresh air or taking a couple of minutes to play with the dog or whatever it is. They don't need to be difficult and complicated things. Um, but making the conscious decision that if I do this, if I take this break, if I replenish my system, when I come back, what I do will be more effective. So that can sometimes help ease that guilty mind, that self-critical mind that doesn't want to take the time out. And I love that you say it's just a minute of breathing, you know, because that is such a simple place to start. Because if you think about it, especially me, for example, my day is constantly, if I'm not talking, I'm thinking. If I'm not thinking, I'm doing something. If I'm doing something, I'm thinking about what I'm going to need to do next. If I'm not doing that, I'm working on the thing that I was meant to do 20 minutes ago or I'm supposed to do tomorrow that I want to do now. So, so essentially we, we're doing and thinking and doing and thinking and doing and thinking, but we forget to breathe. 
mm. you know, or, or we literally we breathe enough, obviously, to stay alive, but we don't just fo- just breathe for a minute. And I have a feeling, and, and I'm going to start doing this. Um, you know, and not, not that I've been neglect- neglecting self care lately. Like I feel like if anything, I've been really focusing on it, but. I don't think I'm breathing enough. And I feel like it's one of those things that once you start doing it, you'll probably become addicted to it because you'll realize the effect it has and you'll just, it'll just become part of your day. And if you can share some experiences on this, actually, um, years ago, I was at an event, I was listening to someone talk, I forgot who it was, but they were discussing exercise and how if you say you're going to exercise, yeah, you might do it once, but it's unlikely that it's going to be something that you do over a long period of time, unless you fit it into your routine somehow. So that, that it could be, for example, and for me, I actually practiced this a few years ago where um, I started exercising just before dinner and I wouldn't eat dinner unless I exercised first. And it was in my routine and I actually did it for a really long time. So when it comes to routine or ways to fit this into our day as well, is there, do you have any practical tips um, apart from probably what I've mentioned that? you can give? Yes. Uh, there's a, what you're sharing is absolutely true that if we can make something part of our habitual routine, something that we automatically do each day, then we're much more likely to continue it and we'll, we will feel the benefits of it. As you say, if you only do it once or twice, you might get some temporary benefit, but it's not going to be too helpful in the long term. There's a practice called habit stacking. If you want to introduce a new habit into your daily or weekly routine, so for example, if you wanted to start practicing a five-minute breathing practice, is to think about something that's already part of your daily routine. For you, it was dinner, and so I'm going to pair exercise with dinner. That is a perfect example of habit stacking, that I would do my exercise and then I would have dinner, and dinner is something I do every day. So it became then exercise was something that I did every day. So this might be, for example, someone has a shower every day, they might do their five-minute breathing after their shower, or they have breakfast every day. So they do it after breakfast or with their morning tea or at bedtime or whatever it is, but something that you regularly do in your day, you can then consciously decide, okay, well, I'm going to try doing this new thing, whatever it is, at the same time as I do this other thing each day. I love that habit stacking. And, and I've, um, I believe there's, I've seen books written about this. So it, it seems like it's a, it's, it's a thing and it's, it, it's such a simple concept, but yeah, I mean, it literally might be the solution for some people that are just saying, I'm too busy or yeah, did it for a bit and stopped and didn't go back to it. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes a helpful way to start to establish a new, a new habit or routine is to remind ourselves of why we want to do it. What is our deeper why? You know, maybe it's that I want to feel happy or I want to feel less stressed or I want to feel more calm or I want to have more energy or I want to show up more fully for my family or my friends or at my work, whatever it is. So reminding ourselves of our why um, can as an intrinsic motivation uh, can be helpful in, to, in starting to establish a new habit or routine. So for me, um, when I was at that 
point in my life where I was at real burnout and I that was when I discovered meditation and I'd always been quite an anxious, stressy kind of person. And the first time I went into a deep meditation, my body completely relaxed and it was a new feeling for me. I was like, oh, is this what, in inverted commas, normal people feel like <laughs> who aren't anxious and stressed? My body went into that really deep relaxation. And from that moment on, I was addicted. I thought, well, if I can feel this in five minutes, you know, what might it be like if I did it for 10 minutes or 15 minutes each day? And so I do that now. I start my day with a 15-minute meditation practice. And I have really noticed a change in my general state of being. It's unusual for me to feel anxious now. Uh, I certainly feel much calmer and more at ease in my own sense of being than I used to. So if your listeners can find their own reason why, for me it was being less anxious and stressed and feeling more calm, if they can tune in with that and remind themselves of that, that can be the motivation that can get us started or to keep us going. Well said, Emma. And um, and, and also if anybody wanted to get in contact with you, for any reason at all, what would you say would be the best way for them to do that? Or if they'd like to follow your work as well, because um, from what I understand, you're working on a few projects at the moment. Yes. So I run meditation and mindfulness programs. I run coaching programs. I do one-on-one coaching and I do group coaching. Uh, A lot of it is around helping people reduce stress and manage well-being. Uh, Some of it is about finding more meaning and purpose in their life. Maybe they're stuck in a job that isn't satisfying them or or maybe uh, they're looking for something more, whatever that might be. So I, I work with a range of clients in different areas. The best place for me to, for people to find me, to have a conversation with me or to find out more about my offerings is to go to my website, which is Emma Gray, G-R-A-Y dot net. And they can click on the chat button there. They can send me an email. They can check out my programs. It's all there on my website. Perfect. And I'll put the uh, link in the description of the episode as well for anyone that um, didn't catch that. And uh, and lastly, Emma, I like to finish all my episodes off with a dad joke. And um, I've got a good one today, actually. Well, I think I think they're all good. But anyway, um, why did the Scarecrow win an award? I don't know. Why did the Scarecrow win an award? For being outstanding in its field. It's a field. Good one. That's Scarecrow. a great dad joke. Yeah. Well, it's, actually, it's actually from one of my kids' books. And there's a picture of a Scarecrow in a field. So I think... <laughs> Uh, you can't beat a good it's, bad dad joke. Yeah, no, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. But um, no, thank you again, Emma. I really appreciate your time. Um, and um, and again, even personally, I've gotten a lot out of this and I'm going to even focus a lot more on the self-care, especially the breathing, I think, for me. But uh, I really appreciate your time. Great. Thank you so much, Michael. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Likewise. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases and feel free to share this episode with any friends or family that you think it might benefit. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.